Welcome to Rebecca Wendy podcast and it contains strong language and adult themes. Hi everyone and welcome back to Rebecca Wendy, A Big Crazy Life. Now, today I am talking about uh, more crazy stupid things that I've done. I actually, okay, let's be real here. About two weeks ago, I discovered the Titting About podcast by Dawn French and Jennifer Saunders. This podcast, I had didn't even know it existed before and there was four seasons of it and I binge listened to it. It was amazing and it's just them talking about stuff. Like they had a basic theme and they just talked about stuff and they just had fun and they laughed and they were stupid and I thought this is what people are like. This is what real people are like. And then I found out that Dawn French was actually giving, a, like she had a book coming out um, called The Twat Files and they were going to be about all her mistakes that she had made. And this was, I thought, yes, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to connect with her. I'm going to, uh, I'll get it. She'll be talking about the stuff that, that I get. And I pre-ordered the book and on the day that it was there, I was like opening this was from Audible and I was opening my Audible account and um, there it was and I downloaded the book and I started listening. And the more I listened, the more I realised I am not like her. I am, I am so different from her. She has done some really cool stuff even when she was young and I am boring as hell. I cannot be like her. I cannot... How can I tell of my tales that are so pathetic in comparison? And I, I, I thought, how am I going to do this? You know, how can I tell tales? No one's going to want to listen to them. And that begins my very first flaw. My very first flaw that I'm going to talk about today is self-sabotage. This podcast was the like not the first this was one of the disasters of self-sabotage I've done so many of them when I first started this podcast I started about my story about my discovering my life and the end of my marriage and myself and my sexuality and it was it was deep and it was heavy and it was a lot and I did like two podcasts maybe three I think I did two and then I stopped for about a month because I went, oh, I didn't know no one's, I, I didn't, I recorded things. I think I recorded about two or three podcasts that could have gone in that stage. But I went, no, 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 they're not, no. And then I recorded another one and I put it up. And then I, I stopped again. And I stopped for like three months. And I recorded every week for that three months. I sometimes recorded twice a week. But I, the, the topics were so heavy and so a lot that I actually believed that no one would want to hear them. No one would want to listen to these. No one would want that kind of, to know about me discovering my own sexuality. No one wouldn't want to know about how my life was you know full of 
deep things. I no, no one wants to know that. And so I didn't post and I record and I'll go, no, no one wants to hear that. You're just trying to gain attention. It's, it's that old voice. You're just trying to gain attention. That la, you know, just that, that voice inside your head, you know, you just, that's all you're trying to do. And so I didn't post and I didn't post and I didn't post. And then when I heard this podcast, I thought, you know what? I can, I can turn it around. Maybe we can just talk about stuff. And then I was listening to this book. So I started this podcast, which is the first one I started. And I was listening to this book and I was going, I, you know, I don't have the same things to talk about. I didn't do anything cool when I was young. And so I thought, well, what am I going to talk about? I mean, there was so much shame behind what I thought were my flaws they didn't feel like something I could laugh about. They felt so shameful, so embarrassed by them. They, I didn't want to talk to anyone about them. And after the, the two that I've put up, I actually only just listened to the end of the book. And she talked about being able to talk about your, your, um, your flaws and it makes them lighter. And I am a self-sabotager. Like, I believe that people, that my voice doesn't matter. That other people can say things so much better than me. So other people can talk so much better than me. And so I don't do it. I self-sabotage. And I have done it with so many things. Oh, my goodness. I actually, I mentioned that I have, um, sometimes I host a Zoom meeting that is just with women. And a couple of months ago, I agreed to be the host every second week. And the moment I agreed and I got off the the Zoom call after the agreement, my brain was trying to find a way to get out of it. Not because I wanted to get out of it. It's just like, oh, no, you've just committed to something. We now have to, we now have to get out of it. We now have to find a way to not do it because it's not going to be right or you're going to do it wrong or, you know, you're going to make a fool of yourself and actually all the women are going to leave. And I, of course, I, I'm all thinking about all these terrible things that are going to happen um, because of my my being, my hosting. It, you know, obviously it was going to be terrible because I was hosting. We're just so self-centered. You know, when I think about it, it's so self-centered. It's like my, I'm going to be so bad that no one's going to listen and it's all about me. And it's, it's not been like that at all. And so it's not only this podcast. This podcast is like, oh, I go through this struggle every time I post. Every single time I post something, I go through the same struggle. I go through the, you know, I hate editing and I don't have time to edit and I haven't given it to an editor. And so there's things, there's too many breaks or there might be too many ums or there might be, you know, the occasional cough, or there might be background noise that I haven't been able to get out. I hate editing. And I, with my life, I am so busy um, that I don't have time to edit. And I don't, it, it's just, yeah, I, I feel like that's an excuse. See, I feel like that's an excuse now. Like I've just gone, maybe if I'm up at like two o'clock in the morning editing, that should be fine and I'll get my four hours sleep. And there's always an excuse in my head that why I should be doing it um and so I, I every time I, I post a podcast I think how bad it is how bad it's going to be 
it's going to ruin my life. Maybe I've said too much. What if, what if my whole life's just going to become a laughing stock that people are downloading it to laugh, not, not being in connection with me, but just to go, she is an absolute loon. And I suppose that's a good thing too, because there is a connection there, but it's that put down that I'm afraid of. And there's going to be no connection with, I know how she feels. Um, and, and of course, it's an acceptance thing. And so self-sabotage is a huge thing. I actually applied for a, um, a job recently. It's just a, um, you know, driving kids around in a, with a school bus run. And um, uh, it looks like I've got the job. And of course, the moment I've applied for it, I go, and, and I've got it. It's like, oh, crap, you're not going to have time to do it. You're going to miss out on something. And there's always a self-sabotage. And just before the interview, I try, I, I, mentally, I'm thinking about ways to back out. Not because I wanted to back out. I didn't. It's the fact that I just almost talk myself into the fact that I can't do it or I'm not going to be good enough or something's going to be wrong or what if I crash or all these kind of things. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to talk about is when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I am over the top when I'm nervous. So I was an absolute chatterbox. I, I was told that I didn't stop talking except when I was around people I didn't know and then sometimes I would either be quiet or I'd go completely the other way and go ridiculously loud um, and so because I would do one or the other um, I, I often went the loud way to sort of counteract my shyness and my my um, not great feeling you know, feeling of self-worth so I'd go way over the top uh, but I was also very strange. So I didn't know the best things to say to people. So I would point out their, their, um, I would point out things about them that I didn't mean to be rude, but I thought were interesting. So someone may have something on their face that I would point out when I was younger before I learned very quickly not to do that and I would say oh that's an interesting thing on your face what is it and of course they would be incredibly self-conscious and they weren't sure about what um they were um what was going on and so I was um I'm trying I'm doing it because I'm interested but it wasn't the right thing to do so I stepped my foot in it and that many times and um and also my belief system let me let me tell you one one I'll give you an example so because at the moment it's I'm just blubbering I'll give you an example I got given a pen and a pad by someone and it broke and it's um it was a gift and I don't know why I, I thought that it would be okay to do that, but uh, I went back to them and said, um, I, your pen broke, it must have been cheap. <laughs> My goodness. And it was just a, something that I said, and I could tell that they were hurt immediately. Uh, and I realized that I had made a mistake, but I thought it was just a comment. And I didn't realize it wasn't appropriate. Now this continued when when my um, my ex bought me my the 
my engagement ring. I was incredibly ecstatic. I was only 18 and I was incredibly ecstatic and happy and lots of it going on. And, you know, I was like, wow, that's awesome. How much did it cost? And he very rudely said, you don't ask those questions. And I said, well, why? Because I thought we were a couple and we shared things. And, of course, my ignorance is that we shared things like that. I wouldn't have had a problem saying what it was worth Um, because I thought that was just, you know, normal talk. And he was very taken back and he was... um, he shut that conversation down very quickly and, and let me know that I was being rude. Um, and and I, I didn't know that you just don't, you just didn't ask those questions. You didn't do that. My, another one is my mum had a lot of relationships uh, before she went to our church. And when she went to our church and she, she acted like her previous life didn't exist but she would say things like she would read the obituaries when I was um, a teen and she would, I'd hear her say, oh, that, that person's, that's Halstead. Um, um, I nearly married them. And this happened quite a bit. And they were obviously a lot older than her because she, this is when else she was about, I don't know, 35. And she was talking about older men. And my question to her was, I was, I was uh, mid-teen, and I said, how many people did you nearly marry? And she was so angry and went, you just don't ask those questions. And then when I mentioned it to somebody else who was an adult, and I said, and I told her this, the woman nearly fell over laughing and said, you do not ask your mum how many boyfriends she's had before. I said, Why? And I didn't get why it was such a big deal. But these are things I would stick my foot in it like that all the time. Purely not knowing what was appropriate. I was so such an odd kid. Now here's one that holds a bit of shame, but I have to say it. And it was bothering me. When I was 13, I had this massive crush on a, a kid that was 17 or 18. And he was like one of these model type people. You know, I didn't exist in his life. Um, I was just a kid and I would have, you know, I, I, I really wanted to, um, for him to know me. But of course I was, I, you know, I was, I was, he was like 17 or 18 and I was 13. And we were in church and part of our church was that we took communion every Sunday. Now, part of the Bible read that if you didn't feel worthy of taking communion, you shouldn't take it or you're taking it wrongly. So I never felt worthy, but I took communion. I didn't take communion. And if I didn't take it for more than like one week, my parents would say, well, why aren't you taking communion? And I'd say, well, it says if I don't feel worthy. And of course that would be like, you don't know what feeling worthy is like. But we're not going to go into that. Um, but it, it's it's the downplay. So I had to take the communion because my parents expected me to take it. But then I felt unworthy, so I, I didn't want to take the communion. But one time I didn't take it. And then I walked over to his parents. Now, remember, I am 13 years old. And he has dismissed me that many times. Here's me on my absolutely, incredibly high horse. I mean, it was so flipping high. It was ridiculous. 
and I walked over to his parents and I said to them that he was giving me problems with the Lord because he was being rude <laughs> and his rudeness which I didn't tell them was the fact that he was ignoring me that I was unable to take communion oh my goodness I haven't said this out loud I was unable to take communion because this this man had not noticed me he was being rude and of course taking it very seriously they sat the spoke to their son and he was furious and of course then I become very much on his radar but for the completely wrong reasons so this repeated my actions repeated about three or four times I was so on my high flipping horse that I was being ignored and now talked bad about because I was going to this boy's parents who were religious and on my very high horse and saying that he was being rude and I, it was it was causing me to not be able to take communion oh my goodness when I was 14 he left the church and I was devastated I was also terrible with boys so I was I was again very strange not knowing exactly how to deal with people especially men because I have had a really bad relationship with men my whole life so the men that that I have been around have been very bad and so I did not know how to deal with men and I wasn't supposed to talk to boys and so when boys talk to me I ultimately went to they love me and so I had to be lovey so every male that would speak to me every especially every younger male but it honestly didn't matter I was like oh they love me they love me and so I I needed to um go over the top so you'd have this you know I'm 14 15 16 and you have someone that's the same age, maybe a cup, a little bit older, just say hi in a group. And all of a sudden, here's me picturing them as my future husband and us having kids together. And so I am giggling and flirting and oh my goodness. I was, I was so weird when it comes to people. I just did not know how to respond and react and I become a bit of a laughing stock because I didn't know how to respond and I was so weird and I was so strange and my my approaches to people and I also wore my I went through a stage where I wore my mum's clothes and someone and I thought they were fine and someone come and said to me you need to wear clothes that are your own age because you look old and again I was about 16 or 17 but I didn't know I had never bought clothes for myself. I was always given hand-me-downs. So I actually, I, I had, and, and I'm superly, super socially anxious because of everything that's happened. I'm superly, uh, superly, super, I keep saying the word superly. I'm superly, that's like superly. Soup, I am super, why does superly seem to work? I mean, super, I didn't even know. Okay. Um. I am very 
socially anxious. And so going into a shop to buy clothes actually gave me a bit of a panic attack and I didn't know what to do and I didn't know what fit and I didn't know what was right and I didn't know what was wrong and I didn't know what worked. And if I like something, very typical, um, I, I, I really do think I have a neurodivergence because I would, if I like something, I would wear it nonstop. I mean, nonstop. I would wear those clothes until I was told I had to wash them and then I would wash them. And the moment they were washed, I would put them back on. Like I, they would wear them nonstop. There was one top, one, because we had a church camp. We were, okay, we were super weird. All right. Um, everything revolved around church when I was young. So um, we had a church camp and I, I was 15 or 16 and I had bought I had actually gone to the shop with the girls and I was panicking in there and then I I managed to see a jumper that was a little too tight but it was sort of a beige color and earthly colors work really well for me and so I bought a, a top and people said it looked great on you the thing is that top didn't come off for like two weeks I wore the same top when I was 18 I bought I was given a blue and white top that I absolutely loved and every church meeting I wore the same blue and white top until people went do you have any other clothes and I said yes I have other clothes why don't you wear the other clothes because I like this top and I would wear it non-stop and um that sound if you can hear it that's me being nervous and zipping my zip up and down and up and down <laughs> I'm a strange one now um yeah so these were things that I, I had done. I had actually gone up to someone's parents because he ignored me and told them that <laughs> I can't believe I did that. And that I was, I would never have said that before because I would have been so ashamed of myself. I was so ashamed of myself, even before talking about it. I was so ashamed of myself. But talking about it, it actually makes me laugh because I was so on my high horse. I cannot believe that I put myself up that high, that he was, <laughs> that he was affecting my spiritual walk with God because he wasn't paying attention. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh, so many, so many things. I just was so weird. I was so strange, and I loved. We had um things we could get up in front of the 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 um some people we had like what's called a young people's night it was where they wanted to control the 14 through to sort of 21 year olds and they wanted to make sure they didn't get out in, up to any trouble so any night like on the night on the weekend that wasn't a church night they made sure that we were you know at church doing some kind of do together and on that night you could get up the front and do some kind of acting that was that was to do with something bible related and i loved getting up there i loved getting up the front and acting and doing stupid things and i loved it i thought it was so much fun and so i would say to all no to always anything i hated the singing bit because i am a terrible singer but i loved the acting i loved getting up there i loved the i love the fact that people looked at me like i was i was seen i also loved making people laugh it was just fun and so I would do that, but I would do the most stupid things. Um, I would, I would just, I, you know, when people saw me get up after a while, they would just sort of roll their eyes and go, oh, that's her again. <laughs> I just would want to take the limelight. It's like, look at me. 
look at me, look at me, I'm doing this. And then, you know, again, look at me, look at me, look at me, I'm doing this. And these things just happened over and over again. And it was so, so incredibly, it must have been frustrating for everyone. It must have been incredibly frustrating for everyone. But um, I loved it. It was like that was my that was my moment. I didn't have many moments, but that was my moment. That was when when I was in front of everyone. Um, it's like I lost my shyness. And if I didn't have to speak, that was even better. If I just had to do actions, I didn't have to speak. That was even better. I could just, or if I could speak to someone else, like it was a play, that was okay. But if I had to speak to someone or I had to speak to the group of people at the front, then I, uh, it, that was more nervous, except when, you know, it, remember, we're dealing with religious. So it, again, I'm going, I'm going back to the religious thing because that's how I was brought up. Um, and, and part of it was to give testimonies. That was how the Lord has changed your life. And I was a kid and I didn't know. I grew up with men that were terrible, how the Lord has changed your life. So every opportunity I would get up and talk about how the Lord has changed my life. Not because I believed what I was saying. And I, I know that's terrible, people. I didn't get up because I believed what I was saying. I got up because it was fun to get up in front of people. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to take the limelight. It's like the Lord would understand if I took all the attention. I was such an attention seeker. It was incredible. So I thought I will just share some of those things. Get them off my, my chest. Be able to share some of my ridiculous behavior and relieve some of the the shame that was was holding it and I think that it's not to say that I won't bring up some of the the darker parts of me because there are darker parts but I've always loved to make people laugh and I would really like it if I could tell my stories in a way that is funny, in a way that is lighthearted and that makes people laugh and is just good. That's what I want. And for those that have told their stories, I will get back to you. And that um, I, I want to be able to laugh with you and to be able to release your, your shame too because we hold on to them so much because we, we retell them in our minds in such a way that it it can bring us down and if we can talk about it and openly share ourselves it lightens us we don't have to carry it around anymore not the way we did and I would really like to do that and so I wanted to make this 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 podcast today to reveal some of those things that I have done, the silly things, the stupid things, the, the things where I didn't, you know, I didn't realize what I was doing until I was able to speak about it. And then it's funny. And then I don't have to carry it around anymore. Not in the same way. There's some things I don't know how you can make fun of because they're so serious. And there's other things that seem so serious that when you talk about them are just funny. And I, I'd like to connect. I hope that connects with you too. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this craziness. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.
Thank you.